Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa usalli wa usallam ala sayyid al-awwaleen wa al-akhirin. Nabiyyana Muhammadan wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa barik wa sallam. All praise are due to Allah, Lord of the worlds, and peace and blessings be constantly showered upon our beloved Prophet Muhammad, the master of the first and the last, and upon his family, his companions, and all those who call to his way and establish his sunnah to the day of judgment. As to what follows, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, we begin uh, another year of our classes. And uh, this year is a very unique one in the sense that um, there are so many major changes happening in the world around us. And this has caused uh, some confusion and misunderstanding uh, in our community especially for the younger generation, especially for those who are connected with uh, cyberspace, with the media. And the media is so filled with images and uh, information and so that um, sometimes it's hard to uh, separate ourselves uh, from the power of these images that are around us. And every week or every month, there's some new incident uh, that is happening. And maybe in the past, there were incidents like this, the death of individuals or um, countries being destabilized. These things happened in the past. But because of social media, because of communication that people have now, and with the ability to uh, make what is real appear to be false, and make what is false appear to be real. Because of this ability that people have, uh, things appear to be more extreme. And this also is connected with what is happening in the environment itself, because we have reached definitely an extreme. And so uh, to make sense, this course is really developed um, to make sense out of things. Um, what is happening around us uh, and then where we are going. Because in many cases, when you look at the world itself, when you look at science and you look at the secular world, which is dominating our minds, you don't really hear Muslim voices that much. And then you go to the Muslim community, you go to the masjids, you read some of the books, and it seems in many cases that they are detached from reality. And so uh, our sessions will be made to bring us in line with what is happening in the world, number one, and then some of the concepts that people have in what we call the end times, the final countdown because we are moving toward the end of time. And there are a lot of different concepts uh, of the end of time. People who watch the media or watch TV or the movies, they realize that the majority of the movies coming out now have a type of uh, apocalyptic theme. They're talking about what is going to happen to the world after the apocalypse after the disaster, after the nuclear 
world? What will happen? What will people do? And so young people's minds are then thrust into this makeup world because really it's up to the person who is writing the script to fill in the details. And some of the stories are really strange. Um, sometimes it even looks like it's America again taking over, uh, but in a new world apocalyptic you know, sense. So what we see and what we hear in many cases is totally different than what is on the ground. So this really is the intention. Uh, it is to look at some of the major issues. And I'm sure that you have been um, uh, watching or hearing about some of the things that are happening in the world. The United Nations uh, General Assembly uh, is happening right now. The leaders of the world gathering together. Many of them, of course, were in uh, London and England because of the funeral of the Queen. But still, the leadership of the world uh, is there discussing the future. What are we going to do? And the things that are being said uh, by some of the leaders uh, seem to be really extreme. And so we want to sort of unpack this. We want to unpack uh, what is going on, uh, what is being said, and then look at it uh, from an Islamic point of view uh, as well. Where do we stand and how do we react uh, to this situation? And this is of critical importance to us because of the amount of information uh, which is being poured uh, onto us. Uh, recently, you may know um, the, the death of Queen Elizabeth II and a lot of discussion, a lot of information. People are in extremes and their relationship um, with the Queen uh, will vary based upon their understanding you know, of the world. People who are caught up in the media realize that within the uh, Commonwealth, that image of the Queen, not the Queen herself, it's on everything. It's on their currency, it's hanging on their walls, their memorabilia, their awards, the name and the faces all over the place. And um, people who are not aware of history, they're not aware of what happened before, get caught up in this. Even to the point where there's a Muslim, uh, I guess every, people may know he was from Yemen, and um, he made Umrah for the queen. And um, the Saudis arrested him. Uh, they didn't know what to do. And he had a poster where he's you know, making Umrah you know, for the queen. And it's what is in his mind? What is in his mind? Does he realize the reality? Number one, of course, as Muslims, we have respect uh, for anybody who dies. The Prophet on one occasion, uh, there was a janazah in Medina, and it was a Jewish man. And the janazah was going by, and the Prophet was sitting you know, with his companions uh, in Medina, and he, he stood up for the janazah. And so the people said, um, why are you standing up? This is Yahudi. This is not a Muslim. And the Prophet turned to them and said, isn't this a soul? So, so he showed 
respect for the person that had passed away. And in many traditions, he said that you know you should um, don't curse the dead because they are receiving what they earned. So you don't have to waste your time cursing. So those who went to extremes in cursing and carrying on, that's an extreme. Those who went to the other extreme, not dealing with the reality, that is also in the ends. We want a more balanced uh, position in this because the name and the image, the name Elizabeth, the name Charles, uh, actually have meanings. The flag has a meaning in different parts of the world. So really, um, this hype that goes on and, and captures the minds of the people, this is in one area. We have to separate the hype from the reality uh, and, and, and to try to bring uh, some understanding uh, of where we are uh, as Muslims. And again, looking at um, what recently happened or is happening now in the United Nations, again, reminds me of um, Surat al-Anbiya. And, and in Surat al-Anbiya, right in the beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, iqtaraba linnasi hisabuhum wa hum fi ghaflatin mu'ridun ma yatihim min dhikrin min rabbihin muhtathin illa stamauhu wa hum yalabun. So Allah has revealed some amazing, uh, again, this is divine revelations. And um, we will return to this uh, ayah. Of course, the time now where we're at Salat al-Maghrib uh, and we're here in the masjid. So we're going to take a break, uh, make our Salat al-Maghrib, and then we'll come back uh, and to the end times and the final counter. Billahi tawfiq.
sound and everything is okay. And just just two minutes because there's people just coming in the door. Okay, sound is okay. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam, Rasulullah, wa Now, as we continue on uh, in our uh, new class, we're beginning uh, this fall, the final countdown. And this came out of the, the issue of the end times. And so, this theme of the end, the apocalypse, uh, the last days, uh, the end of human existence. Concepts like this, ideas like this, are all over the place. And um, it's international now. This is the point that it reached. And so the, the idea of our sessions is to uh, not get caught up in the hype. We need to understand what is happening around us. And many times Muslims put their head in the sand like an ostrich putting its head in the sand, not realizing the things that are happening around them and how serious they are. Uh, at the same time, we can't be caught up in the, the hype, caught up in any false constructs or false understandings of uh, what is happening here because we have our understanding and it's a solid one. And so one of the important verses uh, I found which keeps talking, it keeps glaring, uh, is the verses right in the beginning of Surat al-Anbiya. And these verses are translated to say, closer and closer to humanity comes their reckoning, yet they do not care. They turn away. Whenever a renewed message comes to them from their Lord, they listen to it and they play. Again, this is divine revelation. And when it's saying iqtaraba, you have the word qarib, which is near. So iqtaraba means something is coming closer. It's coming closer, like it's right around the corner. It's moving in on you. And Allah is saying, hisab, the final account, is coming really, really close to people. But for some reason, they don't care. And even though they're getting all these messages from it, they just turn away and they play. And this is an interesting verb also, وَهُمْ يَلْعَبُونَ that they actually play. And, and again, this is revealed uh, 1,400 years ago in the Arabian Peninsula, but you can see this is more relevant today than probably it has ever been before. Because games, gaming and games, is something that human beings naturally do. The Prophet ﷺ even used to run races with his wife Aisha, anha. they had wrestling, they had different games that they would do. People need to enjoy themselves, uh, and that's the way it's been in cultures throughout the world. 
It really wasn't until near the end of the Roman Empire. And so we're, we're looking at around uh, uh, 400 AD, 500 AD, you know, a little bit before. We're talking about the end of the Roman Empire, that the, the Romans, the leadership, needed to have some way in order to keep the masses of the people busy, to control this huge empire uh, with such differences between the rich and the poor, you need to keep the minds of the people busy. And so they built these huge coliseums that we call the stadiums, huge coliseums. And then they hired or enslaved uh, warriors that they called the gladiators. And the gladiators would fight matches inside of the stadiums. Then when Christianity was, was being spread, the teachings of Paul, it's not actually the original teachings of Isa salam, because we realize that the original teachings of Jesus was Tawheed. It was a belief in one God. But this was a form of a trinity. Uh, but still it was different than the Roman belief because God is in the picture. And so they couldn't uh, bear to be overtaken by this new religion. And so they would capture the early Christians and they would take them to the Colosseums and they would literally feed them to, to lions and hyenas, that they would be eaten alive in front of the people. This is really, uh, this is hard to imagine. But people would be cheering and they're drinking wine and alcohol. And so this became a way um, that they could control the people through the games. And they even developed champions and the gladiators, teams, uh, different themes would go on. And so this became institutionalized at the fall of the Roman Empire. Now we see today this concept of institutionalized games has become international. And we all enjoy sports. Sports is sunnah. It is the way of the Prophet But the institutionalized game that takes you away from reality into another world you see, this is something different. And right now, with all the things you know, that are happening in the world, with all the signs that are going on, uh, it's, messages are coming. And, and recently, uh, a, a renewed message came. This is only like three weeks ago. And this came from the scientists in Greenland. And they are studying the, glacier, the glaciers of the north. And, and they recognize that because of the heat, because of the temperature on the Earth, the major glacier in Greenland, it's melting. And that one was considered to be probably the largest solid uh, glacier, this huge rock of ice in the northern uh, uh, hemisphere. It's melting now. And when this starts to melt, uh, there's going to be all types of things happening. And, the, the, the pace that, that it's melting at, the way it is changing, they never expected this. It's totally unprecedented. And so the, the glaciers melting in the north, uh, all the different issues that are happening. But with this, like Allah said, signs are coming to them. But still, they play. 
And um, the issue, the key issue in the United Nations now, United Nations is, is, is plays a role as an international body. Sometimes it sort of covers up reality and doesn't help us. But in, in other cases, it is a good way that people can actually come together. Alhamdulillah, the president of Turkey, our President Erdogan, spoke today and um, made an excellent uh, talk to the nations of the world. Because right now, the role that Turkey is playing you know, is like a middle nation. So they're able to talk to Ukrainians, to Russians. Um, they're able to, to, to go in between in a way that no other nation on earth is able to do. And so that was good. And he was able to make some important statements. But the, the head of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, uh, he, in, in his uh, discussion with the world, he made it clear that the key issue happening right now is climate change. It is the global warning. Now remember the verse. The verse is saying, renewed signs. When new signs are coming to you now, clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. And, and this um, little drawing that you see is an excellent way to look at how, like, what is the result of the warming and, and, and the heating up of the Earth. And, and so you see that um, the, the, it has the changing rain and snow patterns. And we can see what is happening in the world, the rain and the snow. Uh, not only are we having terrible amounts of rain, but also snow. You think that it's all hot, but it's not all hot. We're having terrible winters as well. And you even see that there, 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 is, a, there is a difference in the, the, the migration of animals. And, and if you notice here in Canada, we don't have that many animals that we can visibly see. But in the, in the small area that we live in, we, we know our birds and we know the different animals. And we see that it's not the same. The birds are not even moving the same way that they used to move. The animals you know, are not moving the same way. As a matter of fact, insects such as ants that used to be very active were hardly active in our house at all. Uh, creatures are actually going through changes right in front of us. But again, when people are caught up in cyberspace you know, and not dealing with reality, then you see. The glaciers are there on your right. And, and then you see what is happening now, the melting uh, that is happening. And this, of course, will, will, will produce uh, major uh, amounts of water coming down. One of the issues that we face here in Canada and the northern countries face is the melting of permafrost. And permafrost is a solid. It's when you go north, um, it, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's not rock. It's actually the Earth itself, but it is so frozen uh, that you can't break into it. And I remember going uh, with a group to Inuvik. We went to the you know, Northwest Territories, uh, to the masjid of, of, the, 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 of the far north. And um, the masjids, everything in Inuvik, everything in uh, the, the Northwest Territories has to be built above the ground. And so all of your piping, everything, there's no basements. 
in the because you can't break permafrost. That, that's part of the whole northern region. The permafrost is melting. That's something that has never happened before. They've never recorded anything since they've been taking records of the permafrost actually melting in the north. It's unprecedented. And of course, with this water coming, with this heat, you know, the, the rising uh, uh, temperatures, it's destroying the coral reefs, uh, which, are, which support much of the life in the oceans. Um, it, it, it is destroying you know, natural cycles. And so this is the destruction, okay? And so to put it, to look at some of the major ones, again, these are signs that are coming to us. The Greenland glaciers, they're shifting and they're melting, okay? Europe and much of the, of the, of the world has had the hottest temperature in years. Today, um, United Nations leaders said that the temperature in Europe has been the hottest since the Middle Ages. Since the Middle Ages, it has never been so hot before. This kind of talk, um, you've never heard this people talking like this. First they said 500 years, but now they're going back to the Middle Ages. And this heat is drying up rivers, it's drying up areas, and probably the, one of the most severe attacks on the rivers is the Yangtze River in China, although it's not so publicized because Chinese news uh, is not so publicized unless it's something you know, to do with the economy. But this is the third largest river in the world. It's the largest river in Asia. And it is drying up to the point where in certain parts of the Yangtze, there are Buddhist temples which are now showing, which were way under the water. This is like centuries ago, maybe 500,000-year-old temples, whatever. And, and, it's, and it's showing in the water. In Europe, one of the major rivers uh, dried up. And they found, uh, I believe it was in Spain, they found another stone hedge. You know the stone hedge? In, uh, in England, they found another one in Spain, but it was under the, the water. And it is so dry that literally that stone hedge is showing. The droughts that are happening are unbelievable. And again, we're not getting the, the publicity that we want, uh, especially in the Muslim world, but the drought right now in East Africa, it's unbelievable. The animals are dying. Um, literally, food insecurity, there's millions of people. And sometimes it's hard for us in Canada uh, because we have a fa fairly stable society to imagine these things you know, that are happening, especially like when the crisis came in Pakistan uh, recently, and people realized, again, there's your glaciers, right? Because Pakistan has the largest glacial uh, area within a country where it can pour down on you into a river. And so it starts pouring down into the country, and especially the area called the Sindh and Baluchistan. So this is like the lower lands. It's not like the Kashmir, high Punjab you know, areas, not the high, high areas. But it's Baluchistan, it's, it's, it's low, it's desert, it's flat. 
And so the water is pouring down and literally one third uh, of the country is underwater. One third of the country, which means 30 million people are in danger now. And 30 million people for a Canadian, this is like the population of Canada. And if, if you think about these numbers, and again, you know, I'm, I'm bringing these numbers to show, like, this is the final countdown. Like, these numbers that are happening now, this movement that's going on, uh, to a certain extent, and many of the climate scientists, you know, are putting it out, that much of what is happening is irreversible. Before there was a chance to reverse it. And, and we can lighten it a little bit, although the way people are acting now, uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to do it. Right? But, we, but this, much of it is irreversible. It means it's going to continue, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And the hurricanes, the typhoons, right now, there's a hurricane in the south, Fiona, which has just hit Puerto Rico. I've been in that country before. Uh, and unfortunately, because of the colonial um, system, they don't have the infrastructure to really deal with hurricanes like they would say in Miami, Florida, right? And, but Fiona has hit them, and all their lights are out. They're in serious crisis. And this is just the beginning now. Hurricane season is, is kicking in now. It's kicking in. The typhoons, there's a typhoon right now in Japan. The typhoons hitting the Philippines in that region there. Again, they're talking that this is something which is apocalyptic. It's, they've never seen the force of the wind. The force of the wind. It is taken to another level. Okay? So this is not to say that there has never been heat. There's never been drought, famine. There's been famines. There's been droughts. But with the climate change, the disaster in the climate, it just puts it to another level now. So it's another level of reaction that the Earth is giving. And this is something which is expected. Because just like your body uh, reacts to uh, poison, it reacts to abuse. And you get a fever, you will get bumps. The Earth is an, a natural ecosystem. It has been abused by human beings, right? It's going to react. And so this is the natural reaction which is coming out. And, you know, people take extremes. Some try to deny, although really the, the deniers now, the climate change deniers, they don't have much to stand on. Especially since the fact that it's not just the so-called global south or the third world, it's here. Because what is happening in the southwest of the United States uh, and in California is unprecedented. The water, the drought that is going on now, they are literally uh, marshalling the amount of water that you can use. There's some places you know, in that part uh, of the world that you know, if you use the water, you can get a fine. Or you can go to jail if you use the water at certain times. This is California which is considered to be one of the richest states uh, in the United States, right? So, so these fires and the things that are happening, even in Canada, because we felt insulated. What city probably has the highest 
standard of living uh, in Canada? Anybody knows which city would you choose to be the highest standard of living in Canada? Anybody? We have a real estate man here. But, but how, how many people? Which, what, what would you say? Vancouver. 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 Not Toronto, right? We have, we have some problems, although we're fairly well up there. But Vancouver, and just recently, because of the forest fires and the smoke, Vancouver was recorded, I believe it was last week or the week before or so, it had the, the, the worst air quality in the world was Vancouver. Worse than Delhi. In India, usually in Delhi, you know, the air, you can't breathe it, right? It was worse than Delhi. The worst quality on earth. Canada, Vancouver. So nobody is safe. Nobody. And, and this is something which you know, the United Nations now, the Secretary General, you know, he, he's, 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 you know, coming out to the people and he even made the statement, he said the world is sleepwalking toward destruction, the destruction of the planet by climate change. Think about, think about somebody sleepwalking. So you get up in the middle of the night and you, you're sleeping but you're walking around your house. Some people walk in their sleep. Okay, so, so people are literally walking in their sleep, okay, because it's happening all around us, but people make up excuses or, or they try to, to, to uh, escape. They try to escape. And, and, and the verse in Surat al-Anbiya is saying that when these renewed signs come to them, it says, they start playing. And so what is happening to us, okay, the cricket champion, world championships. The Winter Olympics just happened. The World Cup, right? The FIFA World Cup. And where is it happening? In Qatar, in the Muslim world. So you think that Muslims, you know, are on a high level and, you know, we're not like that. The Qataris are spending somewhere around, it's hard to even imagine this, but they're spending like 200 and uh, $20 billion for a soccer game. $220 billion. And people are dying, literally, in Yemen. The famine in Yemen. The droughts that are going on. But they are spending this huge amount of money for sport and play. So we fall right in the middle of this. And, and, and so, so the Qur'an, again, as we're reading the verses in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this book, it was not revealed to just read. You have to look at the, at, at the meanings, tadabbur. You have to start reflecting on it. And this is what we want to do uh, in these sessions, inshallah, is to reflect upon the Qur'an, reflect upon uh, uh, the sayings of the Prophet sallallahu and what was given to us. And so the Muslim world, we ourselves, okay, we looked at the world, but the Muslim world, we are facing serious tests. And again, the words uh, we're using, we're saying calamity, you can say trials, afflictions. Sometimes they use the word fitna or fitan, which is like a calamity, it is a, a, a trial, sometimes musibah, a, a, a musibah,
you know, it was a terrible thing like Musiba Talmot, right? One of the worst uh, trials or tests or shocks that you can have is death, especially when somebody in your family dies. This is a Musiba. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah that those that when, you know, the Musiba hits them, they say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. That we came from Allah and we returned to Allah. Because that's the Musiba when this death it's comes to them, this is what they say. And so the Muslim world itself, look at the different uh, categories now. I want you to think about these categories because we're going to reflect upon other religions and other ways of life to show you that this thinking is not just something that so-called Islamist, fundamentalist Muslims are talking about. This is a reality. The United Nations Secretary General is saying it. Famine. Okay, and famine, Yemen, Afghanistan, East Africa. It was reported a few weeks ago that, that in parts of Afghanistan, they were literally boiling grass in order to have something to drink, to make soup. Right? Next, drought. Okay, and we have, we're getting hit for the most part, the drought in East Africa. Uh, the majority uh, would be Muslims. Like we said, floods. Pakistan, Bangladesh, of course, constantly. The other one that we didn't mention, genocide. So this is another major calamity that is striking us. The Kashmir situation, East Turkestan, Uyghur people, uh, the Chinese you know, uh, Muslims, Uyghur Muslims, East Turkestan, the Gaza situation of Palestine, okay, Myanmar, Rohingya Muslims, and what is happening there. This is another major uh, calamity. Uh, it's like a fitna, which is striking the Muslim world. Okay? Another key area is Islamophobia. And I was glad to hear that um, uh, President Erdogan, when he made his talk to the United Nations, he mentioned Islamophobia. He said, this is an international crisis, and he said this should be considered you know, you know, the same way you consider anti-Semitism or any of these other you know, hate crimes. Islamophobia is real. And this is on all levels in society. It is a pushback. It is a pushback. And Muslims, for a long time, um, didn't realize, like, why are they pushing back on us? But we have to realize that we have been blessed with the final testament, the last revelation. And it's still in its original form. So because it's in its original form, and because the, to put it into practice, the sunnah is there, whether we're practicing or not, we have the model. We have the solution and the way out. And so Islamophobia is another major challenge uh, facing us. And one which is a reality, maybe not so out in the open, but we recognize it. It is the loss of faith. And it is despair. So many people have, are despairing because they don't necessarily see uh, good things. They don't see good things. And it's, it's a natural thing for people um, to feel some de depression uh, when things go bad. But if we are connected to our faith, Right? If we are really reading the Qur'an with meaning and understanding the life of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, 
with meaning, right, then we would understand that the issue of calamity, the issue of crisis, this is something which hits even the prophets. And the Prophet said that the people who were tested the most and who suffered the most were the prophets themselves. Then the righteous people, and it goes down. So the people that Allah loves, He will put to the test. Confusion, that is part of the meaning of fitna. It's like a gray area where you're not sure what to do. You're not sure to go to the right or to the left, to go forward or to go backward. This is part of the, the issue of uh, uh, fitna because it's something that's unclear. And this is leading to us, and this is one of our uh, most dangerous issues, it is a leadership crisis. And the Prophet ﷺ on one occasion told us, he said, the thing I fear for you the most is misguided leaders. I fear for you these misguided leaders. And, and, and this is something um, which is a very serious issue. And so we have to, and again, this is our beginning as we go into the end times, as we go into the final countdown, because as we go through these subjects, and again, even for those who have read these subjects, the signs of the last day, every time you read it, you're going to hear something new. Every time, and, and with things happening outside in front of us, it will bring to life what you may have read and didn't understand. And the bottom line, if you can get anything out of everything that I'm saying, and that is in Surah Al-Talaq, right in the beginning, it, within the second and third uh, uh, verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقُهُ مِنْ حَيْتُ لَا يَحْتَسِبُ وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَالِغُ أَمْرِ قَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدْرًا Okay, this verse, we need to put it on our wall. You need to be reading this verse. Try to read tafsirs of this. Try to understand what comes out of it. Because Allah says, whoever has taqwa, the consciousness of Allah, Allah will make a way out for him. If you really develop your taqwa and provide for you from where you know not, some provision will come, whether it's a provision in this life or it's a provision in the hereafter. Because remember, as Muslims, we don't see uh, everything in this world alone because we're in a transition period from this world uh, into the hereafter. And so Allah said, whoever has a consciousness of Allah, Allah will make a way out for him and provide for him from where he knows not. And whoever depends on Allah, Allah will be sufficient for him. This is tawakkul. Tawakkul. So you say tawakkul ala Allah. You depend upon Allah. Allah will be sufficient. Now remember the Prophet ﷺ, you know, he said to his companions that you should tawakkul ala Allah, you should have, you should depend on Allah, but tie your camel. So like that's the balance. So in other words, you know, this is an example for nomadic people. You have a horse, you, you have a camel, you know, and you stop. Okay, you say, okay, I depend upon Allah, just let it walk. No. 
you tie it because the camel might run. So even though you depend upon Allah, ultimately, you take all the different necessary steps in order to bring about the best result. That, that's the balanced tawakkul, right? So it's not one extreme or another. But ultimately, but the most is dependence on Allah. And if you do that, Allah will be sufficient. That, this is a really important thing. Allah will be sufficient. You'll be surprised that you won't need as much food. You'll be surprised what people can go through and still come out alive. When we study Islamic history and see what Muslims have gone through, the changes, the things that have happened to the Muslim world, you would not believe what Muslims have gone through and we're back and we're still functioning. Things that would even make the disasters of today seem small. Of course, this climate thing is something different. But in terms of the genocide, what we've faced at different points, like the Mongol invasion you know, of the Muslim world, never in, in, in anybody's history have we seen a massive destruction you know, of people you know, uh, uh, you know, to go on like this, except to the modern era where now we have nuclear weapons. Okay? So the verse continues, and it's saying, Inna allaha baligu amri. Allah will reach his purpose. So in other words, what's happening around us, it's not by chance. There's a purpose to it. There's a design in everything that we see around us. And it ends by saying, قَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدْرًا Allah has made a limit for all things. So there's a limit. There's only so far that all of this is going to go. And then there's going to be a change. So this really is our fallback verse. Right? That, that we, we need to think about at the time of the, of the calamities. And um, the calamities itself the musibah, the fitna, it has a purpose to it. There's a meaning to it. And one uh, is kafara. It's an expiation of your sins. You know that you know, when you fast in Arafat day or Muharram, you have kafara, right? It'll wipe away the sins of the year before, the year coming, you know, whatnot. That's the concept of kafara. So in this case, the Prophet said, no calamity befalls a Muslim, but that Allah wipes away some of his sins because of it. Even though it was the small pain he receives from a thorn. Now again, this is when people, when, we, when you suffer pain and you're a Muslim. Okay, you're suffering pain, but you recognize the Creator. Because pain is part of existence for all creatures. But when you're suffering it, when we're going through it, and you have the consciousness of Allah, it can actually be a type of kafara. Calamities also can show the sign of Allah's love. And again, this might sound strange. The Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, is reported to have said, a calamity that makes you turn to Allah is better for you than a blessing that makes you turn away from Allah. <laughs> 
Think about this. If this calamity now, and we've, we've had it in our lives, you get hurt, you lose money, something happens to you, and now you realize you get serious about your prayers. You get serious about your ibadah. So that calamity act actually brought you closer to Allah. Then you'll have another part of your life where everything is easy. Blessings are coming. The everything, you, you don't have to ask for anything. But if that's taking you away from your prayers, taking you away from your practices, you're better off with the calamity. Okay? And another great scholar, uh, Sheikh Ibn, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he once said, calamities, trials, and tests are signs of love from Allah for the believers. They are comparable to a cure. Although it is bitter, you accept it because it is from the one you love. And to Allah belongs the best example. Think about that. So many times you, you, you take a cure. We have this cough medicine here, Buckley's, they call it. And if I have a really bad throat, I'll, I'll drink some Buckley's. And when you drink that, you will get a pain. Right? It is really, really harsh, but it does the job. So many cases, the things which are curing you, uh, many of, of the bush, the, the leaves that we have, uh, the bitter ones are the ones that will clean you out. We have one in the Caribbean region. Uh, in Jamaica, they call it Circe. And so this is like really bitter. Okay, but when you drink this tea, cleansing. So it's actually helping you, although uh, it is something that is bitter. It's a beautiful example you know, that he's making. So these calamities that are befalling uh, the Muslims, there's something to this. There's something in back of this. Because the calamities will also teach us patience. And Ibn al-Qayyim said, panicking does not make the calamity go away. In fact, panicking makes the calamity more difficult. So when it hits, to lose control of yourself, oh God, where's God? And lose, that's not going to make anything better. It is, it is sabr. And, and, and the concept of sabr is perseverance, right? Resilience. It's resilience. And, and, and human beings, Muslims especially, we're going to have to be resilient as we go to the day of resurrection. And we will be studying, inshallah, we want to look at end times. We want to look at what has been predicted that's in front of us. Some of the things have happened already. was predicted. Some of the things are in the process of happening. Some of the things will be about to happen. And we want to look at this. And now we can start to pick out what's happening around us and realize that the Prophet ﷺ had mentioned this before. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, you know, was reported to have said on the day of resurrection, people will wish that their skins had been cut with scissors in this world when they see the reward of those who are struck with calamity. Right? When they see the reward on the day of resurrection, right, they'll wish that they had agony, especially the ones who are living so-called good lives. Okay? Now, one of the most confusing parts of this, and we had had a tradition before, but another tradition I found which actually added 
to this, other, to this first tradition of those who have been in the classes before. Um, and this is talking about the years of deceit and the years of uh, confusion you know, that people are actually going. And um, in this uh, hadith, the Prophet ﷺ is saying, Inna amama dajjal sinina khada'a. Yukadibu fiha sadiq, wa yusaddiku fiha al-kadib, wa yukhawinu fiha al-amin, wa yu'tamanu fiha al-kha'in, wa yatakallamu fiha al-ruwaybida, qila wa ma ruwaybida, qala al-fawaysiq, yatakallam fi amr al-ama. Ruwahu Imam Ahmed fi musnadihi. So the Prophet said, verily, preceding, now see how he talks. He said, preceding the false Messiah, Dajjal. Okay? Preceding Dajjal. And we will be studying who is Dajjal. What does it actually mean? Did he appear already? But the Prophet said that preceding the Dajjal, there will be years of deception in which the truthful will be considered liars. And the liar will be believed. Look at the world today. Just go online, right? Just go up CNN and BBC, right? And, and, and then you will see. The trustworthy will be discredited. And the treacherous will be trusted. And the disgraceful will speak out. This is Ruwaybida. Now, you may have heard this tradition before. But the Prophet you know, then he was asked, who is this disgraceful Ruwaybida? And he said, alayhi salatu wasalam, al-fuwaysiq, little wicked men will speak out on the affairs of the masses of the people. Now, this has given us a little more depth into this tradition which has been uh, spoken about, this Ruwaybida. Okay? Because fuwaysiq, is from the word fasiq. And fisq is a type of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person committing especially minor sins, you know, you know, that you know, bad-minded, you know, bad acting person. But this, so this is not just a fasiq, it's fawasik. This is tasqiya, which means like a little, a little sinner, a little wicked person. So in other words, this little person. And, and little, it doesn't just mean he's short, right? It means little in the sense of character, uh, in the sense of where this person, you know, his worth. Right? So these Fawaisik, they will be the leaders. And you go around the world and you look at the leaders. I'm not mentioning names. But you look at some of the leaders who people are crying for and people are voting for. Look at their personal life. It's unbelievable. How can you detach the personal life of the person and, you, and that person is your leader, your idol? But just before the coming of Dajjal. Now, this is setting a stage for us because you know, we're going to move right into the time of Dajjal. Okay? This is the time of these Sinina Hadda'a these deceptive years. So these are the years of deceit. Now, 
What is the discussions happening with other people? I want to give you some examples, because especially in the case of the Christians and the Jews, the people of the book. Now, the people of the book, they have something of the book. And so it's mixed up with their own understandings, but something of the revelation is there. So therefore, even in early times, Muslims would look at some of their writings to see, especially if there's something that they didn't have uh, all the, the information about. Now, what about end times? Christians and Jews, there's a strong sense. Right now, if you went to you know, Christians, especially in America, evangelical Christians, and you ask them, Is, are we at the end of time? About 80 to 90% of them would say, yes. We're right at the end. Okay? And um, there's talk in their churches about the Antichrist, the return of Jesus, the final conflict. This is out there, and it actually plays itself out in movies. It plays itself out now online. It plays, even for the little kids, video games. So at all levels now, they're, they're putting in this information, which was discussed in the churches before. But now, uh, with social media, it's become mainstream. I want to give you an example. This concept of apocalypse. Okay, now you'll hear this word mentioned. And apocalypse, uh, it means something like, when you say it's like the end of the world. Or something which is so destructive, right, that it seems like the end of the world. Like a major earthquake. So it seems like the end of the world. But when they talk about it in, the, in biblical sense, the apocalypse is the total destruction of the world. Okay, which they have in their uh, uh, New Testament called Revelations. Okay? And, um, and it can be used to describe utter destruction like war and so forth and so on. Okay? Now, this is very interesting. These are Christians, right? And that's the why when you meet Christians today and they look at us or they look at the world, they're acting a little bit different now. Okay? And I can remember uh, being in South Africa. And I was in, you know, I, I went with my friend, my assistant, to this uh, junior college. They wanted to know something about Islam. And at that time, Muslims were being called fundamentalists. And so I went there dressed as a Muslim. I'm not going to, you know, dress like a non-Muslim because I'm going to, you know, non-Muslims. I was dressed like a Muslim. My, my assistant, he had a tobe on. So we walked into this uh, class with you know, young student, students, and they looked at us and said, whoa, when they saw us you know, with the clothes on, right? Because they've been watching the TV and the movies and whatever. After we finished talking with them and explaining what Islam was, they were crowding around. Some were saying, like, where's your center at? Can I have more information? And then the teacher stood up, and he said, everybody sit down. And he said, I don't usually talk about teachings from my church. This is a college. But he said, you have to watch out for what's happening today. Because our preacher has told us that near the end of time, the devil and his followers would actually be so shifty and tricky that they would wear the clothes of the righteous. And they would act like the righteous, right, in order to take you astray. So in other words, 
the fact that we are dressed in, you know, these clothes, we're fasting and we're praying, you know, whatever, we're Muslim. He's saying, see, that's the devil now. That's what they're teaching in his church. You see? So the Christians have what they call from their revelations, the six seals coming out of the revelations. And it's interesting when you see what we have just spoken about and what, what we're going to talk about. And so they say the first seal is religious deception. And that's similar to what we, Ruwaybada, the Sinina Chada'a, remember? Years of deception. The first seal in the revelations is people will come in the name of peace, but they'll bring war. And that's coming about. How many people are, are saying we're fighting for peace? And they're blowing you up all over the place. Okay, that's the first seal. The second seal is what happens from the deception, wars. So there's going to be a lot of major wars. The third seal is famines. So that's where people are starving to death. And look at the famines. You know, Yemen is, is the worst on earth. The fourth seal is pestilence, disease, right? COVID-19. So these four seals are called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, those who are on video games, those who are watching movies, you know, young people, if you mention the four horsemen of the apocalypse, they might know what you're talking about. But they don't realize this is coming out of the Bible. And plus, they might not realize that there's something of truth inside of this. Okay? The fifth seal is tribulation. Fitna. That's their fifth seal, what we call fitna, which is your persecutions, your afflictions. And the sixth seal is cosmic signs like earthquakes. That's your natural catastrophes. That's coming out of your clim climate change. So what is happening in the world today for the Christians, this is fitting into their revelations, right? The only difference that we will need to understand, because many times our own children, our own understanding is, 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 is caught up in a Christian understanding, not realizing that Muslims, we have our own understanding. So we need to understand what is our, what is our position in terms of the Antichrist, in terms of these different uh, issues that will come up. I want to look at another one. This is a, a Jewish group. And this might be considered the most extreme of, of the Orthodox Jews. But um, one report states that a Jewish group, and apparently completely red heifer has been born. So a red heifer is a, is a heifer is a cow. Okay, like Surat al-Baqarah, right? Remember Surat al-Baqarah, the story of Baqarah is the cow um, and the questions that, you know, that, that the Jews were asking, you know, that they wanted to have a, a special type of cow in order to make a sacrifice. Okay, it's something to do with their traditions. So now, they claim that the heifer, um, the first in 2,000 years, it has been born. And this was fulfilling the biblical prophecy that signals the coming of the Messiah, which Christians believe will end with an apocalypse. So this is not Christian. These are the Jews. 
So they say with this heifer, there's going to be a Messiah. The birth of the potential cow of prophecy was announced by the Temple Institute, a group which says it is dedicated to every aspect of the Holy Temple of Jerusalem. On the 17th day of Elul, 5778, which is August 28, 2018, okay, a, a red heifer was born in the land of Israel. The group, this is what they put in their Facebook page. Okay? The organization says that the female baby cow foreshadows the construction of the third temple in Jerusalem, heralding the, the arrival of the Jewish Messiah. So they have one who's going to come too, right? That's the Jewish Messiah, right? But the evangelical Christian theologians also believe the construction of the third temple will lead to Judgment Day. So now, what is happening in Masjid al-Aqsa? Right? If you see the, even the recent events that are happening, they are closing in on Masjid al-Aqsa. They are having events. They are pushing forward. They're digging under the ground. It is said that under Masjid al-Aqsa and the Dome of the Rock, because that whole area is Masjid al-Aqsa, right? It's not just um, the one section. The whole area is Masjid al-Aqsa. They're digging underneath. And one uh, Muslim scholar said, if it wasn't the will of Allah, the Dome of the Rock should, should have crashed down on the ground. They got so many tunnels under the ground. Because they're trying to find evidence of the Temple of Solomon. But they can't find anything. There's no evidence. Because it wasn't there. There's another, another place. But they believe, though, that, it, that that's what it is. They believe it's there. The only problem now, standing in their way, are the Muslims. Right? Because we have Masjid al-Aqsa, we have the Dome of the Rock. And according to international agreements, there's supposed to be a unity of, the, of the, all the great religions in Jerusalem. And we have the right to worship in this area. This is agreed upon. But they're pushing and pushing and pushing. So this is for them end times. Okay, and we're going to look how, we're going to see how this plays itself out. Right? But you watch the events surrounding Jerusalem now. Keep watching. And, and, and it might even come up about red cows. There's going to be images coming up about the temple and the Temple Mount. It's especially right under the Dome of the Rock, that place where the Dome of the Rock is. They want to go right underneath that right, in order to bring that thing about. So opposition in having this final countdown discussion, uh, opening up the door for further understanding, um, there's one tradition, because this is not new to us. Al-Hassan al-Basri, uh, rahimahullah, he said, um, a man came to al-Hassan al-Basri, okay? and he said, there are people who are frightening us till our hearts are filled with anxiety and dismay. He told them, the one who frightens you till you reach a state of security is better than the one who makes you feel secure till you reach the ultimate fear. So in other words, you need some fear. Taqwa is made up of fear and hope. It's not all just hope, right? You have to fear the punishment of Jehendam, right? We have to have this. And, and we have to realize what's going on outside. You can't escape. And there's nothing wrong with having some fear. But that fear should lead you in the right direction. 
Okay, so this is what the intention is uh, with our classes, to strengthen the taqwa. It will strengthen us. It will protect us from doing haram things. And the more we have this fear and hope and understanding of what's going on, it, it, it's going to help us. It's going to help us. It helps us to reflect on the hereafter as well. Okay? It'll also promote balance. Okay? Because most uh, average Muslims, they don't know what's happening. False information is out there, false messiahs, uh, you know, false mahadis, uh, divine knowledge, you know, the poor brother making umrah for the queen. All types of things are happening to Muslims. They don't know what's going on, man. Right? So the average Muslim needs to have this knowledge. Okay? But it should be its signposts on the road of life. Okay? And, and, and this is the knowledge uh, which, which will guide us to what is unfolding in front of us. But this knowledge of the unseen from the Islamic position, okay, that this comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because in Surah Al-Baqarah, right in the beginning, it's talking about the believers. It says, It is those who believe in the unseen. And we believe that something from the unseen was given to us in revelation. So we go to the revelation in the Quran and also through the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and enlighten his companions and they have been enlightened scholars as well. Right? So that's going to be the basis uh, of what we'll be studying, inshallah, as we go on. And I want to leave you, before we open up the floor for any general questions at the end of this class, um, with um, some of our own wisdom. Uh, again, some of the terms, remember what we're talking about. This is authentic hadith reported on Abu Dawood. Uh, the Prophet is reported to have said, Ummati hadihi, ummatun marhuma." لَيْسَ عَلَيْهَا عَذَابٌ فِي الْآخِرَةِ عَذَابُهَا فِي الدُّنْيَا الْفِتْنِ وَزَلَازَ وَالْقَتَلِ رَوَاهُ أَبُو دَوُدْ He said, this my ummah, this my ummah is a nation that has mercy on it. Ummatun marhuma. What's the mercy? The punishment will not be in the hereafter. But the punishment will be in this life. That being fitten, Earthquakes and murder. So this is serious. So what did he say? The reality is, if, if, if we have Tawheed, inshallah, the ikhlas of the belief in one God, if we have this in us, the kalima, in the hereafter, even though there are some people who will go to the hereafter and be punished for a period of time, and then go to paradise. Some can go directly to paradise. So that's not... Uh, inshallah going to be our punishment but the punishment will be here and so he mentioned fitten was the plural of fitna remember the seals right remember the four uh, uh, horsemen this is the prophet sallallahu speaking he said what's going to hit us there's going to be trials tribulations afflictions there's going to be earthquakes meaning natural catastrophes and there's going to be qatl, genocide. It's going to happen to us. And these things will happen to us as a wake-up call. And inshallah, it will give us the understanding to wake up before it is too late. So inshallah, we hope to be able to look at uh, these issues. And as part of the class, uh, near the end, I want to open up the floor 
you know, for any general questions that you may have. If during the class you have something, you can write it down. Uh, we also have people online uh, with us. Uh, how many people do we have online with us now? We have 59 people online. So, so you're not alone, right? You're not alone. And uh, so from all around the world, inshallah, there are people with us in this class. And I want to open up the floor through the chat uh, if there are any questions uh, anybody has or anybody here. Tfadl. The person who did Umrah, would he be a mentally disturbed person? Um, this is, I, I, I don't know. I mean, generally speaking, you know, Umrah is for a Muslim. So, so when you do Umrah for somebody, it would be a family member or somebody. So how can you do Umrah for somebody who's not a Muslim? Right? So either it's an extreme form of ignorance, you know, or it is uh, derangement. But I remember some time ago that, uh, and I say this with all respect because people are in mourning now, right? But some time ago when member Salman Rushdie, who recently got attacked, when he put out his satanic verses, and then the fatwa was put out against him, uh, they said that the queen's in danger, the royal family, everybody's in danger. And then the word came, the royal family is not in danger because the queen is Ahlul Bayt. She is from the family of Prophet Muhammad so the Iranians would never touch her because she's Ahlul Bayt, right? <laughs> that was really strange. But then the genealogists, they did, there is a genealogy out there where the, the present uh, British royal family, it goes back to the Habsburg uh, people in Austria. And if you go back in their lineage, you, you will see, um, and this is over 800 years ago or so, that there was a marriage between the, 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 the royalty of the um, uh, Umayyads, of, of the, uh, the dynasties in Andalusia. That is when the Muslims were ruling in Europe. Right? And all the royals were sending the, the people to Spain to study. Okay, so one of the princesses, they married um, through the family, and that person was from Quraysh, had Quraishi blood. So therefore, that Quraishi blood went into the Habsburg, that went into the royal family, and so they said the Iranians would never touch her, and she's Ahlul Bayt. So I don't know whether he's thinking like that, but we'll leave it alone because, you know, unfortunately, mental health, we have serious mental health issues uh, in the Muslim world. You know, may Allah help him and help us to do things in a balanced way, right? Again, we respect, you know, the family is in mourning, people are in mourning. The Prophet stood up for the janazah of a Jewish person. That's right. But the reality of the British monarchy, what it means in the Muslim world, what it means in the world, cannot be forgotten. And that's what has to be dealt with now, right? After the morning day is over, now the world is going to say, what are we going to deal with with this? Should this monarchy continue or should it end? Serious discussion going on between the nations of the world and those who understand history, you've you got to go back and read some of the things. I know even the history of India, there's some unbelievable things that happened what the British did in India, okay? I studied Nigeria in details unbelievable slaughters that they did. So this has happened in many parts of the world, and Allah knows best. Okay. Any other general questions uh, that anybody have? Uh, anything from the, the chat room or any questions? Yes, you said the, the fear and the hope 
Um, you know, when the scholars look at the word taqwa, they, they define it as one of the definitions is al-khawf wa raja. So they say fear and hope. Okay? And um, they don't put a percentage on it. What is like a mixture of the two. But more than likely, and Allah knows best, um, there is more hope than fear. Right? Because we believe that Allah is merciful. We say, Bismillah, ar-Rahman, ar-Rahim. <laughs> Allah is the most merciful. So we believe Allah's mercy overcomes his anger. Okay? But the anger is there, right? So the consciousness of Allah has got both, right? So, so sometimes it's time, as, as the prayer is going out, and, you, and so then, you know, it's not only, you know, I love Allah and I want to make it, but then also I, I have to make it. It's written on me. Right? So both of those things are at play. Yeah. How much approximately talks about fear and how much of uh, mercy? Uh, I wish I was a scholar of the 99 names, you know, but I'm not. But uh, like I say, there is more, generally there is more mercy uh, than there is punishment and fear. And, you know, the name of Rahman or Rahim, that's the most oft repeated. So it's clear. And you see in traditions that Allah's mercy overcomes his anger. Right? So we should always look upon. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful God. Right? But realize that you know, pain and punishment is a reality. And for every action, there's a reaction. You do wrong, there's going to be a reaction for it. That's the reality of the universe. So this is our madkhal, our introduction you know, to our course, inshallah. And uh, we want to look at end times. We want to look at the final countdown uh, in the world. It's not that we would have nightmares and be afraid at night, but no, so that we can understand what is happening around us. Because this is serious. And if you just listen to what's happening in the United Nations and what's going on around us, this is the end times. It's irreversible. But we need an Islamic understanding about what is happening. So I leave you with these thoughts, and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy on me uh, and you. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته